There's a topic that's come up a few times in the first few chapters of Mark, mostly as a sub-point that we've kind of just brushed past. But this story, in the beginning of Mark 5, is all about it, and so it's time to address it head-on. It's time to talk about demons. Now, this episode is going to hit everyone a bit different. Like, if this topic is completely new to you, it may be a little strange. Maybe you never believed that demons existed and never actually thought that anybody else believed they were real either. If that's the case, this episode may shock you a bit. Or, on the other side of the pendulum, maybe you grew up hearing all about the demonic and spiritual warfare and the armor of God, and if that's you, this episode may feel a bit tame to you. Maybe you grew up even with an unhealthy obsession with the invisible cosmic battle, and now you're weary of any such talk and you're about to turn this episode off. Wherever you're at, here's my challenge. Just listen. Because there's some really good news here, and we'll talk way more about this at the end of the episode. But notice as we go that whenever Jesus has an interaction with any sort of demonic spirit, there is no battle, no dualistic struggle of good versus evil, trying to figure out who's going to win. No, Jesus just wins every time, like first round knockout type of a win. Hold on to that thought, and let's get started. Welcome to Season 6 of Stories in Scripture, a podcast dedicated to telling the big story of the Bible one piece at a time. In this season, we are walking through Mark's Gospel. Our hope is that these short episodes will lead you into more, into a time of reading, reflection, prayer, whatever it is for you. The goal is that you let the amazing story about the Savior of the world transform the way you live out your life today. The storm had vanished hours ago, seemingly in an instant, but the storm in Peter's mind was taking much longer to calm down. Jesus just spoke to a storm, and the storm listened. He changed the weather with a word. Who is this man? As the sun began to rise in the eastern sky, they reached the south side of the Sea of Galilee. Just as Peter's heart rate was coming down, he noticed a figure on the land, a shadow. Peter could tell even from the boat that this wasn't just any normal guy. He was massive and was pacing around like a man possessed. The man had spotted them and was marching straight toward the dock where they were heading. Peter's inner storm began raging all over again. I know who that is, Matthew chimed in. People would always tell me stories as they stopped at my tax collector's booth. He lives over in that graveyard among the tombs. The people don't let him in their village because he's prone to so much violence. They say at night they can hear him crying out like a wolf howling at the moon. He hangs out amongst the tombs, and when he has no one to fight, he resorts to cutting himself with stones. Peter couldn't take his eyes off of him. Even 13 to 1, they may be outmatched. Each second felt like an eternity as they inched ever closer to the man who was almost at an all-out sprint knowing exactly where to meet them. I'll take the storm at sea over this one, 
Peter added, trying to add some levity to the situation for his colleagues. No one laughed, except Jesus, who had moved from his position in the back of the boat to the front. Peter and Andrew instinctively jumped forward, trying to get between the man and their rabbi, but Jesus gave them a reassuring nod as the boat reached the shore. The man was rushing toward them, but in that moment, Peter realized it wasn't to fight. This man, seemingly born to fight, was all but stumbling now. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Peter watched the man continue to lose his balance. Please don't torture me. In pure spirit, Jesus said, one of his first words he'd spoken since he quieted the storm, come out of this man. The man fell down to his knees at Jesus' feet, convulsing. What is your name? Jesus asked the man. Legion, he said. Even the name made Peter shudder. He knew what that meant. This wasn't just a demon, it was many, like an evil choir hell-bent on wreaking havoc on the world. And yet, the tone was different. It wasn't the evil, vicious tone you'd expect. It was fear. Peter glanced over at the rabbi, who wasn't breaking eye contact with the man, his stare serious, yet subtle. The demons began begging again and again that Jesus wouldn't send them away. Jesus glanced off at the nearby hillside, where a large herd of 2,000 pigs were feeding. With one nod, the demons came out of the tortured man and entered into the pigs, who immediately began to panic and all rushed over the edge of the steep bank, falling into the water below. Those tending the pigs were terrified. They rushed down toward the boat but stopped when they saw the man. They had all learned the hard way not to cross him, except something was different about him now. He wasn't screaming, he wasn't pacing, he wasn't shouting, he was dressed and in his right mind. For one of the first times, Peter sensed a different kind of spirit in the crowd, not excitement, but fear like they wanted them to leave, and to his relief, his rabbi obviously sensed it too because he was already back in the boat bidding them all farewell. The whole crowd began to disperse, but the man who had just had the demons cast out of him approached them. There was color in his eyes, vibrancy written all over his face. Please, the man said, let me come with you. I can help. Whatever this is, I, I, I just want to be a part of it. Go home to your own people, Jesus said kindly but firmly. Go home and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Peter braced for the objection, but the man seemed to get it, as if he was picking up on all the unspoken things beneath the rabbi's words. He nodded and headed off towards Decapolis to tell this story to anyone and everyone who would listen. This story has the makings of an epic Hollywood scene. Right after a crazy storm at sea, the crew pulls up to a brand new town only to discover their next battle waiting for them. And this one's going to be crazy. A man who's lived in a graveyard who was so dangerous that the locals often chained him hand and foot. 
but he was possessed by a spirit so strong that he would just break those chains and be on the loose. And so now he was banished to live in the graveyard and spend his nights pacing between tombs, yelling into the night sky. So the crew pulls up for this epic showdown. Now, you pitch that to the producers, and so far, this episode is greenlit. It sounds amazing. I want to know how the crew fares, until you realize the man is sprinting at them to repent. That he is falling to his knees before Jesus like a toddler protesting nap time. And that's about the time the pitch turns south. It's really anticlimactic. What is set up to be an epic showdown turns into a one-sided beatdown. It's like what often happens in the national championship in college football, when it's supposed to be the two best teams in the country, but oftentimes it just ends up being like a 45-3 defeat. One team ends up being so superior that the game is over before it begins. That is what the battle is like between Jesus and the demons gotta get this. It's not this dualistic battle, it's a one-sided defeat. And when we don't get that, we'll end up giving way too much credit to the enemy. C.S. Lewis explained this concept way better than I ever could. He said there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both heirs. That's it, isn't it? The first trap some of us fall into is to not believe that they even exist. Like it's reserved for fantasy fiction or something. Which means you just assume there is no other force at play in your day to day. And when you fall into that trap, which I often have, you end up turning a blind eye to a very real enemy, which is not a great strategy. However, there is another trap, one I'm also familiar with, where you become very aware of spiritual warfare and begin to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in it. When you start to feel like there is a demon hiding behind every tree, And every time you trip, every time you feel any bit of pain, and every time you feel any negative emotion at all, you jump straight to it being demonic. Both sides of the pendulum are traps that are easy to get stuck in. So the question is, what's the third way? I believe it looks something like this. Have a healthy awareness of the demonic and let it lead you to an even greater awe for Jesus who made every evil spirit beg for mercy. If at any point any of it makes you feel uneasy, stop focusing on it and instead fix your eyes on Jesus. It's like turning on a light in a dark room. The darkness doesn't put up a fight, it just leaves. I wonder if that's why John calls Jesus the light of the world. The light is here. And so, although it's smart to be aware of the darkness, we don't have to spend any time in it or thinking about it. Just turn on the light. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stories in Scripture. We hope Season 6 is bringing Mark's Gospel to life for you, and that this episode helped you see the bigger picture Mark is painting for us. If you are enjoying this podcast, 
We'd love for you to share it with your friends, and rating and review it goes a long way as well. We love getting to tell these stories and appreciate you coming along for the ride. So we'll see you next time for our next story.